Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Casual Gamer Society, the video game portion of the Com Talk podcast, the podcast division of the Geek Devotions Network, the network devoted to letting you know that you are loved. So if you get nothing out of this podcast from this point forward, just know that you are loved, you are cared for, and doggone it, there's a purpose for your life. Uh, with me today is my special good buddy, my hetero house husband, number two, <laughs> Dave Clements. Hey. How you doing? Uh, you know, uh, it, it was it's my Friday, <laughs> so... I'm looking forward to the weekend. Super jelly. <laughs> super, super, super jelly. Uh, all right. Well, lots of stuff to talk about in this episode. Um, I thought we had a lot of stuff to talk about in the last episode, but you know what? When it comes to the gaming industry, the hits keep rolling, and I guess so do we. Uh, but before we get to the seriousness, let's go into everybody's favorite segment. What are you playing? Um you know, being as yours is the segue, Dave, I'll start first. Uh, sure. What I'm playing, what I'm playing currently is the uh, Dead Space remake. And can I just say it has all the feels of the original? Nice. Like, I, we, we I, I think the both of us have lived long enough at this point where we've seen some pretty craptastic remakes happen. Just like, yeah. it, like this is a, this is a cash grab. Um, <laughs> I, we're, we're looking at. We're looking at you, PS3, Silent Hill 2 and 3 rema- <laughs> HD remakes. Ugh. Did you ever play those? I didn't, but uh, I've... Oh, I've... they were they were so yeah. bad, dude. <laughs> they were so... <laughs> well, do you know the story behind those? I don't. Um, so I guess Konami wanted to get these HD remakes done, but they wanted to have it come out at a very specific time period. So they like had an uber tight schedule and they outsourced the production to a third party company. Okay. And they didn't even have the gold. They didn't even have the gold versions. Like the gold versions were lost. So they, they like gave working vert. They gave, they gave working versions of the games that they still had on some hard drive somewhere. Uh, that still, you know, wasn't complete code and said, here you go. Wow. And so, so (laughs) they did, and they, did, yeah, and just, they didn't have all the art assets or, or, ugh. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. For those that don't know what John meant by the gold versions. So when a game is ready to go, they, they say that it has gone gold. So it's, it's a playable version that shouldn't have a ton of bugs, although cyberpunk, whatever. Uh, so that's what John's talking about. Yeah. Wow. So they did, they didn't have the gold. They sent them, they sent them a dumpster fire of a code set and it was like, uh, do something (laughs) with this, I guess. Wow. I haven't, I don't think I've played a Konami game since like NES, super NES era. (laughs) It's because they don't, they don't really make games anymore. They make pachinko machines and that's about it. Like, yeah. I mean, they're trying, <laughs> I need, I, I should shut my mouth because they're trying to get back into it because they did a event a couple of months ago where they're firing up the, uh, the old silent Hill franchise, but they're basically, mm-hmm. they're basically shuttling it off to third party companies to make it. So eh. they're just a publisher at this point. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're just, they're just licensing IPs is all they're doing and that's about yeah. it. Yuck. But I mean, it, if if the HD remakes of the Silent Hill games are what 
Konami is ready to put out, I, I almost think it's better that they third party it because mm. maybe the third parties will actually, you know, care about what they're making. Yeah. But, but going but back to Dead Space. It, yeah. Dead Space is fantastic. It gives me all the feels of when I played the original, like, but they changed just enough to keep it fresh, but not enough to really notice. Mm-hmm. So, and the visuals are just, mm, they're, they're, they're chef kiss. Like, yeah. For people who, for people out there who like, uh, survival horror games or liked the dead space games. I mean, this is, this is, this is the primo stuff. Like this is the high grade, high grade, non-cut Colombian (laughs) um, video game that you want. Right. (laughs) Well, that's good. I played totally just, totally just referencing video games and that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Colombian video games. Yeah. Um, I did play a couple hours of the, xbox 360 version because i have that and i mm. I, I enjoyed it it's just I, it's the problem i always run into it's very violent and, and not something i can play when my kids are walking around so it's kind of yeah just sit your shits in front of it and just be like <laughs> just just callous them to <laughs> to it early on i mean i could do that with one of them but it's the other one where my wife is like mm-mm Nope, you said a naughty word. But we can't. No, she's not that bad. But We're, yeah. Oh no, I I don't think Wendy's gonna like me when I come visit in a couple of months. Oh, I think you'll be surprised. I think you'll be surprised. Okay. All right. <laughs> anyway, what have you been pl- what What have you been playing, David? Uh, so as always, I have a couple games that I'm playing for various reasons. Um, I've mentioned last time that I jumped back into Stardew Valley. I have realized that that is kind of my I'm getting ready to go to bed. I want to wind down, fall asleep game. So it's like when I have to, when I start feeling tired or my character's tired in game, my character goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. The game saves. I shut my switch off. I go to sleep. Um, So I've been playing that really enjoying, like taking my time with that. The other game, which I keep wanting to talk about. I always forget about it. It's called Vampire Survivors. It's literally on every platform except for PlayStation. So, or no, it's not on Switch, I guess. Um, but uh, that is a roguelike shoot 'em up game, which wouldn't normally be my thing. But it's also like timed survival, so you have to last at least a half hour in every level in order mm. to technically complete it. But there's treasures, and you upgrade things eventually. And if you ever look at the trailer or look at screenshots, eventually. Your character has so many weapons and so many power ups that it's just like a blur of activity. And you're essentially just walking through like all these monsters that just swarm in throughout the the level. And you just stand there and earn money and points. It's again, it's relaxing, but it's like there's lots of noises. It's very that does not sound relaxing to me, dude. It wouldn't be. But I like zone out. I am super relaxed playing that game. But it's fun. That sounds I'm, like a good way to throw my controller across the room. No, it's actually it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I'm still waiting to see a vampire. I I've uncovered a few coffins and they're like vampires in another castle, which is like great throwback to Mario. But where's the vampire? It's fun, though. <laughs> and to transition not so eloquently like I do, uh, GoldenEye 007 is available for nintendo switch online plus expansion pack subscribers 
I happen to be one of those. And the controls absolutely suck by default. <laughs> I had to go to Reddit to find. So, so it, of course, it was built for the 64. And Nintendo was like, now nah, we're just going to emulate the game and hope that the people that are already spending way too much money on a subscription service will spend way too much money on a Nintendo 64 controller that works with the Switch. I didn't want to do that. So I started playing GoldenEye. Now, have you played GoldenEye? I'm assuming you have um, based on a comment you made. It, it's been well over a decade since I've last played it, but I have played it. Um, I had a buddy who had a N64 that mm-hmm. we would go uh, split screen multiplayer on. Yeah. And just, but it, like I said, it's been a long minute, bro. Um, but I start out in the first level and I go, I'm, I'm playing with just normal switch controls and I go to do something and I move in a way that I wasn't expecting to move. So I was immediately like, okay, what the heck? So I go and I spent way too long trying to figure out controls. I had to go to Reddit because I found out that somebody had figured out a hack and it's not worth it. So lucky for me, I can play it on Xbox instead because it is on game pass. So that's kind of been my default way to play it. And oh my gosh, so many, so many feels and like so many, like, have you ever done that where you're like playing a game you haven't played in ages and it's like, oh yeah, I remember this one weird secret thing that's like, nobody else would normally remember that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many times times when I was, I did that a few times when I was uh, playing through the, uh, NSO copy of Super Mario World because I lived mm-hmm. in that game for a while. Right. Uh, same with uh same with my uh mini Super Nintendo copy of Donkey Kong Country. Okay. Yeah. It's just it's weird how your brain will go, hey, remember this is the thing that you do in order to get past this. And it's it's weird muscle memory. So um yeah uh if, if you have Xbox Definitely check out Goldeneye 007, especially if you missed out on it. The graphics are horrible, uh, but it's, I don't, there's a lot of nostalgia there. I would love to see a remake. I know they remade it at one point and yeah, don't, don't play the switch version unless you want to do a bunch of control hopping and messing around. Now, when it comes to because you were you were just talking about you'd like to see a remake. That's actually been something that Nintendo has talked about, as has Rare, uh, and I have seen in other um, in other podcasts where they have this discussion with them. Uh, the reason why this game has never been remade from the ground up, like you would see for like for instance with the Dead Space remake that I've been jamming on, is because of the James Bond licensing that they have to go through for it. Because they would have to relicense the IP in order to remake the game. Right. Um, and that is just it's not something that they consider to be financially viable because you know, I mean, it's especially with them cranking out movies with Daniel Craig now that everybody and their mom goes to see. So obviously uh, the, the IP holder for that is going to be uh, holding onto that license for Buku Dolores. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, but in the same sense, I almost wonder if, if they're putting it out like this 
to see it, it is to kind of gauge as far as what the interest is in the game still to possibly make a remake. So who knows? Maybe I, weirder things have happened. I, I never would have expected a Dead Space remake because EA mishandled that property so badly by the end of that franchise's life cycle. I, there's just something about these really weird polygon, terrible graphics, though, in GoldenEye that I love. <laughs> but I still want to remake. They're so bad. Like it's, it, it's, it's in that it, I've heard it said before, but that generation of gaming was like the puberty of video gaming where it's going through its awkward phase or it's got acne and hairs coming out of places in splotchy ways that never was there before. And it's just gross to look at. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it really is. Um, although I remember at the time, like when I saw the PS2 graphics for the first time, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's so real. So it's one of those things where you kind of had to be there to understand why it's so great. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, you look at the stuff we got now and it's just like, there is not a polygon to be seen. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Speaking of video games, that's a good opportunity for us to segue into the next topic. Let's talk about E3. Uh, now, for the uninitiated out there who may just be super casual as far as their uh, perspective on E3, Dave, uh, could you explain to our audience what E3 is? So E3 is the Electronic Entertainment Expo. I had to look it up because I always forget. Uh, it takes place. Uh, yeah. It, it varies, but it's basically where all of the, the video game companies come together and go, this is the new stuff we have. And it's supposed to be a huge event that everybody looks forward to. And since probably definitely 2020, but probably 2019, it started to take a downhill trajectory in popularity. Mm -hmm. And this year, uh, uh, IGN, which is another video game uh, coverage group, I guess uh, they announced that the big three will not be at E3 this year. And by the big three, I mean, Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo, all three mm -hmm. giant uh, console companies uh, will not be there. They will not be showing their wares there. They have no interest in being a part of E3. So all that's left at E3 now are the third party companies. Right. Uh, what does this say about the future of E3? What do you, what do you think? Uh, well, I think, I don't know. E3 could pivot toward, at least on the gaming side, because I think that they do some other, I mean, it's electronic stuff, but, I think from the gaming side, if they were smart, they could start to pivot more toward, hey, this is like an indie showcase. We're going to we're going to showcase stuff from indie companies. It's still not going to be that big, uh, but I I don't know if if the big three don't show up over the next couple of years, it's it's done. But this had to hurt. Yeah. When they announced that. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'll be I'll be perfectly honest. It doesn't shock me. Uh, right. The big three have been slowly pulling out of E3 over the past few years now. Uh, Nintendo, and it was the first one to withdraw themselves, uh, wanting to lean mo more on their Nintendo Direct for announcements rather than waiting for big expos and game shows. Um, 
then in 2020, uh, I know my, I, that was the year that Sony pulled out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the story at the time was that it was so that they could focus on the development and release of the upcoming PS5. Um, and now this is the first year that's been it's been announced that Microsoft's not going to be a part of it. Uh, but the thing about it is that they don't really need to be a part of it anymore because all three systems now have their own pipeline to their customer base with Nintendo having Nintendo direct Sony has state of play. I don't know if Microsoft does or not, but I, it wouldn't shock me if they have developed some kind of announcement show for their fan base to catch their, they just did. I think it was called developer direct, but it was like a super Mm -hmm. short show. Uh, nothing really spectacular. Um, there was a, like a first party exclusive that, or maybe it's a timed exclusive. I'm not sure. Um, I can't even remember the name. Hi-Fi something. Uh, but it came out. It looks good. I haven't played it yet. But uh, there there wasn't a lot to show for that. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to Microsoft figuring out something for Xbox that's very similar to State of Play or uh, a Nintendo Direct. But right now, I don't think they really have any. I'd be on the lookout for that, man, because I mean, ultimately like E3 um, and all the other gaming shows, they were the reason why they were big was because when they started, it was really pre internet and pre always online and all that sort of stuff. Um, And that was the way that we would get our gaming information. You know, Mm -hmm. you would have these magazines that would report on these big expos and have all these hands-on responses. You had stuff like uh, GamePro and IGN and PlayStation official magazine, Game Informer, all that. And a lot of those magazines just aren't around anymore because you can get that information so much faster via the internet. Yeah. And if if Sony like, you know, I'm going to speak from Sony's point of view because, you know, I'm the Sony player between the two of us. Um, If Sony has a big announcement that they're sitting on that they feel timing wise, it would be more advantageous for them to put it out in the month of March rather than waiting until June for E3. You know, they have the ability to do that now. So what, you know, it's, it's sort of like, what's the point of waiting for a big con in the age of instant information? Right. And I think, and I, I, all, I really think this is going to be the writing on the wall for a lot of these big expos um, between this and the Tokyo game show and Penny Arcade, uh, you know, P- PAX is what people would call it um, and stuff like that. Uh I don't necessarily think that all of them are going to die off, but they're not going to be as big as they used to be. Um, and I think PAX, I think PAX saw it happening, uh, saw it, ha- saw it coming down the pipeline because they've kind of turned more towards the tabletop community with PAX unplugged and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think, I think sh- stuff like, uh, Tokyo game show and, uh, um, E3 are gonna I, I I don't I don't I personally don't think E3 is going to survive very much longer. I would um, be surprised. I think TG I think TGS and PAX Prime are going to become more third party and indie focused with less focus on uh the big three. Um 
and really the the really meaty projects you know the console exclusives that are designed to sell consoles i think those are going to be announced directly through uh the big three um on whatever announcement system that they have but yeah i I don't foresee the current gaming culture as far as large shows being a viable thing going forward for much longer which kind of sucks because i i enjoyed looking forward to e3 every year (laughs) it it was a lot like chris it was a lot like video game christmas where it's just like what are we gonna get this year you know Mm -hmm. (sighs) oh well it is what it is. I, mean, I, I was kind of, old, I mean, old man John's out on his lawn screaming <laughs> at the sky again. I, I would tune into E3 when I could, but uh, being a casual gamer, I, it wasn't something that I was like, oh my gosh, it, it's going to happen. But yeah, it, it's definitely kind of the end of an era. And I don't know that they're going to last. They're going to have to pivot to do something different. I don't know, man. I don't like it uh if i if i'm being honest but you know uh personally what i'd like to see uh going forward i'd like to see someone join the big three you know bring another console to market Mm -hmm. yeah i know that's kind of a random thought going into this but um i don't know it's like i don't i don't really feel like nintendo's really has the need to compete with anybody because they're so far out and left field yeah and sony and microsoft like I don't even really feel like they're competing with each other anymore either. They're just like, Hey, you got your thing over there. I got my thing over here. Yeah. (laughs) Because outside of the, outside of the third party stuff that releases on both systems, if you look at what the, what the console exclusives are between the two consoles, you know, you're going to see a lot more of the, uh, you end up seeing a lot more of like the RPG style and, big sprawling story-based entertainment on Sony and then a lot of the quick action stuff on Microsoft. And it's just like, there's also where we're seeing, and this is a little off topic, but we're also seeing where uh, Sony is getting into the PC gaming market and, and those games are showing up on steam and, you know, Microsoft has stuff that's on steam. So steam is almost like in a way it's kind of this unifier of both of those platforms where it's like, if you wait long enough and you're a PC gamer, you can play halo. I mean, that's, that's a dated reference, but you can play halo, but you can also play Spider-Man and not worry about being PlayStation mm-hmm. or Xbox. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> and it's not, it's, and it's not just because I'm a Sony fanboy, but I, I don't like it because it it's that, need to compete and dominate that drives innovation yeah and when people get when 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 brands get too comfortable coexisting with each other you don't get that innovation and that's when you get just ugh. It, i think just, that we're still just, dealing with that it's just a it's a different way like right now they're competing with game pass versus playstation plus mm-hmm. it's not a huge competition because i I feel like Xbox is definitely kind of winning that because of how many games they're releasing regularly. Not that it's like great content versus what PlayStation I've kind of watched both platforms and it's comparable, but mm-hmm. X, Xbox still has that, that couple steps ahead of, of PlayStation. I can see that. 
I, I, again, for me, it's apples and oranges. It's really whatever you're coming to gaming for. Right. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about in gaming right now, but if the consoles are genuinely not trying to compete with each other anymore, I see dark, I see a dark horizon for us gamers <laughs> out there. But speaking of competition, there's a shake dark up horizons. Yeah. There's a shake up in the tabletop role-playing game world and I'm here for it. Okay. So last episode, we talked about the OGL dumb point dumb and <laughs> as the world turns, so does the tabletop drama. Tell <laughs> us about it, Dave. Cause I think, I think, I think you're probably the most well-versed in this whole old GL business between the two of us. Yeah. I was actually kind of, I don't do drama, but I was so wrapped up in this. Like I was anxious. Oh, it was tasty. Yeah. I was like, Oh my, I, I got to get off Twitter. I got to quit looking at YouTube. There's just so much. And then like, everybody's so angry. So just to recap, um, wizards of the coast, um, who owns D and D they're basically like, Hey, this one document that allows third party, uh, creators to make content for dungeons and dungeons and dragons. Uh, we're going to change it all up and really, really hurt third party creators. It blew up over like two to three weeks, basically the whole month of January, 2023. Yeah. Uh, everybody was up in arms. And finally, uh, as of recording this, it was last week. Wizards of the coast goes, you know what? You just go ahead and keep your OGL 1.0 a, which was the big thing in contention. Go ahead and keep it the way it is. And as an extra gift, because you know, we're worried that you guys might actually ruin our business. Uh, we're going to put the the system reference document, which is the game rules. We're going to put that in Creative Commons so nobody can ever, ever touch it. And everybody in the tabletop world is like, yeah, awesome. We we won. Finally, like we won D&D. &D. <laughs> January 2023 will forever be known as the month when the geeks went to war. <laughs> Um, cause that, that's literally what that felt like. It's just, I have never seen th that amount of angry neck breathers. I mean, yep. neck beards and mouth breathers <laughs> in my life. Uh, and I say that lovingly, please don't write in to geek devotions because I count myself among that crew. Um, I'm gonna tell you now it's great that everybody thinks that this is over. It's not, but it's not over. It, 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 as long as Hasbro owns Watsy, it will never be over the, uh, they may have given up on five E, but let me, let me tell you, let me tell you when, uh, when, uh, D and D one or one D and D or what run DMC or whatever <laughs> they're calling it, when that unloads, when that gets unveiled, you're going to see them claws come out again and see, say they're going to say, Oh, well we opened up five E, but now that we've got all this going, anything going forward is going to be under this new OGL. It's just like, yeah, mm. most likely. Um, so, it, uh, so my recommendation to everybody out there is still abandon ship. Yeah. Cause none of this is going to be good. Don't go see the D and D movie. Don't support Watsy. Don't, 
you know, uh, cancel your still cancel your D and D beyond subscriptions. Cause it's, it's going to be a hot mess. I mean, honestly, honestly, what this reminds me of is an abusive spouse coming back to their, coming back to their wife saying, no, I have changed. See, look, I've (laughs) given you the OGL 1.0 a, and I've given you the SRD uh, for five E. I bought you jewelry, but but what you don't know is I'm going to wear it the next time I hit you. Like maybe that's Mm -hmm. triggering and maybe that's too far, but that's that's essentially what we're dealing with here i i personally i i i personally feel so betrayed by this whole ogl nonsense that i i don't want to play D &D anymore like (laughs) i'm gonna keep my core books i'm gonna keep my core Mm -hmm. books because i had matthew lillard sign my uh dmg but as far as my supplemental stuff i'm gonna take it to my gaming store and do a buyback on it get in-store credit and uh, probably use that to get a get a different system. I know what system I am leaning the hardest towards now, mm-hmm. and I think you know which one it is too. Uh, Cobalt Press, oh, yeah. which has a project that they're talking about called Black Flag, which is completely built off of Five E using the using OGL one point A and the SRD. So that's going to be about the closest to 5e rules as you're probably going to find out there. And I am 100% here for it. Like, agreed. I am ready yeah. for that. I have signed up for play testing and I am about that. So <laughs> that's where I would recommend if every, if, if you're out there and you're like, Hey, I like 5e. That's where I would point you to. I think, I think be amongst all the, all the systems out there that have been just rattling their sabers against Watsi. Um, and there's, there, there's been some good stuff that's been happening. You know, look, I'm looking at Paizo. I'm looking at Chaosium, you know, Paizo, Chaosium and Cobalt Press are basically like the big three outside of Watsi right. as far as I'm aware. Um, but out of, out of everything that I've seen coming out of this, really it's Cobalt Press who I think is going to, they're they're going to make a name for themselves based off of how they've mm-hmm. they've conducted themselves. Yeah, um, that, but that's will... not to say I haven't seen some entertaining uh, stuff out there. Like, hey, we're not Watsy. Uh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of Paizo, so Paizo is the they they were kind of the first people to go. <laughs> I don't like what's going on with Wizards of the Coast. We're going to take three point five or. Yeah, 3.5 edition D&D. We're going to take those rules and we're going to make Pathfinder. Um, in the last two weeks, they have sold out of eight months worth of stock because people have essentially just given D&D the middle finger, grabbed Pathfinder, which is the n- next closest thing. And like, I'm still waiting on my Pathfinder second edition rule book to show up. And I ordered that like almost two weeks ago. So nice. Yeah. It's, it's taking a while. Speaking of, I did want to talk about uh, some other systems that I'm going to try with my home group, my home game D and D group. I don't know what to call it anymore. I used to just call it my home D and D game. And now it still is. Cause we haven't officially finished D and D, but um, I picked up. You never finished D and D Dave. I know, 
But uh, I picked up the Cypher system from Monty Cook Games. That's supposed to be something that uh, is, I wouldn't say rules light, but it that system works in any setting. So if you want to do superheroes or you want to do fantasy like D&D, the, the rule set will accommodate that. I also picked up the Numenera starter set, which uses those same Cypher system rules. So at least you have a setting. Mm-hmm. To use those, uh, I mentioned Pathfinder Second Edition. Um, actually, last year, I think it was last year, there was a humble bundle that had um, Starfinder, which is the space version of Pathfinder, and that was a really good deal. I think I spent, I maybe fifty dollars and got, I don't know, one hundred and fifty dollars worth of stuff, and that included the Starfinder beginners kit or they call it beginner box so it's kind of a mm-hmm. here's the basic rules and an adventure go play for a couple of hours and get a feel for it and then i backed a kickstarter last year and just got the book conveniently in the midst of all the ogl stuff for a game called flabbergasted it's uh kind of like have you ever heard of wooster and jeeves no it's like a, but I've seen your copy of flabbergasted and it, it has me intrigued. Like I really want to play that when I, when I'm out at your place in yeah, April, it's a, like takes place in the, the 1920s, um, kind of all over the world. There's no set spot, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's very comedic. You, you're, you have a, what do they call it? Like a little, little society club that you and your, you group her in and you get into trouble and it's just supposed to be, it's based off of like, you know, old, like BBC TV shows, like Mm -hmm. comedy shows. So, uh, definitely a lot of different things that I'm going to dabble in, probably not know what to decide on, but that's where I'm at. But I am definitely excited about what Kobold press is doing. Every time I see something from project black flag, I know I send it to John and I'm like, Hey, look, look, they're doing a thing. I know. And that's when both John and Dave jump up and down, clapping our hands, squeeing like <laughs> a bunch of Justin Bieber fangirls. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, really that that's going to be like, if for, uh, for Dave and I, that's going to be like when, if the Beatles got back together, found a way to resurrect uh, George Harrison <laughs> and John Lennon. And they're like, Hey, yeah. we made a new album. It's just like, right. It, it's it's going to be a big deal. And I'm super here for it. And I was super sure. here just to watch to watch the nerds go to war with Watsy. <laughs> like I like I th- this is gonna be one of those situations where I'm gonna be like, I was there for that. Like yeah. I was a part of it. I was there at the end so. of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. I'm really interested in how uh Watsy is gonna recover from this. I'm thinking of the meme from Tiger King where he's just like, I will never financially recover from this. I don't know how they're going to, in good conscience, put out 6E, which is what I'm calling it, and attempt to do a lot of the things that they were trying to do because they they were just shooting themselves in the foot. They're going to have to walk back a lot of stuff for anybody to accept it. And it's been said a lot online, but people will get over this. People will forget that this whole thing happened. Kind of like a lot of people don't know that the whole situation with fourth edition happened. You know, and the mm-hmm. world burned then. 
No, to be um, fair, fourth edition was far less attended than five E was. So this was true. This was a true. guffaw on a much larger scale. <laughs> yeah, but they, I, I don't know how how they're going to comfortably put that out. And just real quick, before I know we're super amped up about it, but if you happen to be on social media, and I, I expect this out of Geek Devotions listeners, um, you know. But if you come across employees of Wizards of the Coast or specifically Dungeons and Dragons, don't give them a hard time. There are a lot of those people that are being hit really hard because this is their job. They can't really just walk away from it, even if they don't agree with it. So be kind, love people, that kind of thing. Just don't give Hasbro and Watsi your money anymore. Yeah, I mean, you don't. You don't need to attack people. The thing about it is we did not go to war with people. Okay. Right. We went to war with a company and we have so far come out as being successful to that Mm -hmm. end. But you know what? We don't, we don't need to, we don't need to attack people in the process because, and, and I say this because I used to work in a call center for bank of America what during the housing market crash oof and bank of america at the time was forced to assume uh countrywide home uh, countrywide mortgages there we go uh which was which was one of the home lending companies that had crashed during the housing market crash and i would catch it all day long on the phone and it's just like i didn't make this decision I'm just a guy on the phone Uh, and 99 times out of a hundred, when you're attacking somebody who works for a company in an indirect manner, be it through phone calls or over the internet, they're just a guy who's trying to put food in their family's mouths. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So I live that have, have some grace. All right. Uh, Yeah. So, but yeah, this, this, this has been a real interesting situation and I've, as weird as it sounds like I have enjoyed every minute of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So, uh, do you have anything to add to the OGL nonsense? Uh, not really. I mean, I will, I will say this. Okay. I do. I do have something. We're not saying don't play D and D five E go do it. If that's what you're comfortable with, do it. Just understand what's going on behind the scenes. And that, third-party creators which have really given a lift to what fifth edition is um you know they're being harmed in the process their livelihood is but by all means keep playing fifth edition if you want to uh it doesn't really affect your home game what's going on um but also be open to trying other systems talk to your game group and Go, hey, is there anything that is there a different setting you've wanted to try? Let's find a game that works that way. And I know last time we talked a lot about what playing games is doing. We're still working on that. Um, but I think we're our whole crew is in agreement that, you know, we don't want to be connected to that and we don't want to be there if something really bad were to happen there, like, hey, all of your podcast stuff we're you know, we're taking back the fan content policy and we're changing it. And now you owe us money for it. So we're playing right. it safe, but your home game, play what you want to play, play what you want. Uh, we're, we're the only thing we're doing is suggesting 
you know, now is the best time to try new systems because they are going to be more prevalent out there and they're going to be putting out varied content for people to try. So if you didn't, if you have enjoyed 5e, that's fantastic. Enjoy 5e. It's free to everybody now, apparently, according to Watsy. However, uh, I would say, you know, maybe try something else too. You know, <laughs> if you spend all your, if you spend all your time eating meatloaf, you'll never know what fried chicken tastes like. There you go. I love fried chicken. I love meatloaf. <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, before we swing on over to ask a DM, let's go ahead and do something that we're supposed to be doing, but we have yet to do. Here's a commercial from our partners through at culture box. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. Crikey, looky there! It's a rare tacophibian! You rarely see such a... Did you see that? Cracking glitz card, you just chow down that taco. But what does it even mean? It means that when you're done listening to Calm Talk, check out the Retro Rewind podcast. Oh, okay. And welcome back. Hope you. Uh, we want to encourage you to support whoever that was. Dallas is putting in the commercial later, so I don't know who it is, but I can assure you everybody at culture box is somebody worth supporting. I know most of the people there and they're all good people. So go check them out. All right, Mr. Clements, how many questions mm-hmm. would you like to cover today? I mean, actually this didn't go near as long as I thought it would. So, I mean, we could do a couple. All right. Let's do three and I can do one from three, three different individuals to, to kind of swirl it around here. Uh, first question comes from uh, Branson Boykin and Branson and Branson asks, uh, if you're homebrewing a creature, how do you gauge what level it is? I don't know. (sighs) I've never homebrewed a creature. That's right. Dave doesn't get so much into the homebrewy stuff. Not yet. Um, well, Branson, I would refer you to the Dungeon Master's Guide. Um, I don't have it open in front of me, but they do have a section for home how to homebrew and gauge what challenge, uh, what the CR is or challenge rating for the uninitiated. Um, yeah, there's some maths involved. Uh, I haven't actually. Well, that's a lie. I take that back. I don't often homebrew creatures. And when I do, I don't figure out what the CR is on them. Cause usually I'm doing it for, for plot purposes rather than fight purposes. So yeah, I mean, the short answer of it is get a, get a DMG. They have the, uh, they have the math in it to figure out what the CR is in it. If you need to break that down. Um, and if you want to compartmentalize that, that far out, did that make sense, Dave? It did. Yeah. Okay. I got what you're putting down. All right. Um, the, the next one comes from Celeste. Um, and Celeste asks, uh, how do you handle conflict within the game? And that is the entire question. Um, 
So okay. I'm going to say that there's two ways. To, there's two ways to take that question. I don't know if that she means conflicts between players of the game or conflicts between characters in the game. And those are going to be two completely different answers. So let, let's let's answer both ways to take that question. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. If 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 it's between two player characters, um, I like to let them role play it and hope that they don't take it too far and then it becomes personal uh, because when it becomes personal, it becomes messy. And then you have to deal with the other half of this question, um, which <laughs> considering I, my home game is all family. There are personal conflicts that do come up between my players. And a lot of it is um, being able to pull everybody back and go, okay, so we're just playing a game and Whatever happens in the game happens in the game and is not that big of a deal and we'll get over it and we can redo it if necessary. But as far as the person to person interactions, um, usually it's, hey, why don't you take five minutes, walk away from the table if it's heated at that point? If it's something that has happened, it gets brought up later, then usually I'm I'm trying to message that person or figure out how to talk to the two people involved, understanding the full story. And I just, I play peacemaker and just go like what happened wasn't acceptable or this is how it made the other person feel. I don't have any specific references cause I don't want to throw anybody under the bus as far as my players go. But uh, it's very yeah. much about understanding the full scope of the situation and making sure that everybody knows this is a game. We're supposed to have fun. If you're not having fun, I, as your, your DM, your GM need to know, and we will move you guys. We will make adjustments to player characters if we realize it's a little bit too personal and you just kind of adapt. And if it ever gets too bad, you can learn from Crit Crab and you just those people do not belong at your table anymore. I also recommend Den of the Drake. That's an amazing uh, that's an amazing YouTuber that does what Crit Crab does, except I don't think Den of the Drake really touches the really gnarly cases where it stops being funny cringe and starts getting into creepy cringe. Yeah. Crit Crab tends to deal with that a little bit more. Um, from my perspective, I have been fortunate enough where I don't have the interpersonal conflicts so much in the games that I have DM'd. Uh, everybody in playing games is really cool about that sort of stuff. Um, I had one player who got mad with me because I wouldn't let him use intimidation as a free pass to make NPCs do everything he wanted them to do. Uh, because I don't think intimidation or persuasion is that it, it's it. There's a reason why it's not called manipulation. Um, so, but I mean, if it's, if, if you're a, if you're a DM and you're running into that situation, you just got to lay down the rules and say, Hey, you know, my job as the DM is to make the calls and this is the call that I've made. Uh, if you don't like it, I apologize, but I'm going to stick by it because this is the way that I read the rules. And Chris Perkins, who was one of the people who wrote 5e has flat out said there, they, they left the rules purposefully vague in certain areas to give more control to the DM as far as yeah. being able to make the calls. So what the DM says goes, um, interpersonal stuff between players. 
Um, typically I, I would, I would be in agreement with Dave. If it ever came up at one of my tables, I'd be, you know, why don't you two take five in other rooms, put you on timeout for a little bit and then come back to it when everybody's cooled off. Understand that this is a game and it's for the purpose of having fun. Stop trying to win D and D because most conflict comes when pe- someone's trying to win D and D or whatever your role playing game is of choice. I gotta stop using D and D as the default here now. All of a sudden, uh, I, I have been involved in a combination of the player versus player versus uh, PC versus PC situation that had overflowed into personal problems on the first uh, tabletop role-playing game that I played with Eric as the GM. It was when we were playing, uh, we were playing um, Titan's Grave Mm -hmm. and I was playing a morally ambiguous rogue character. Big shocker, right? Um, (laughs) And another guy was playing kind of a barbarian build. I don't know what they actually called it in game. Um, but, uh, the other guy bought a dog or specifically he bought a puppy. Mm. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Titan's grave, but it's sort of a combination of, it's sort of a combination of D and D except there's some technology involved in it as well. So there's like vehicles. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it strikes me a bit more like, uh, the way the, um, the McElroy brothers, did D on the on the first arc on the first uh, campaign of the adventure zone right um but anyway he never took care of his dog he'd always leave it in whatever vehicle we had and the dog would end up ripping because it's a puppy and it would end up ripping stuff up and we'd have to pay for it and he'd never feed the thing so some other people would end up having to be responsible for it and blah 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 well given that i'm playing the morally questionable <laughs> rogue who's getting increasingly frustrated with the situation. Like it, Dave, you play a rogue in our campaign yes. in a morally questionable one as well. If mm-hmm. you were pretty, if you, if Wilder or Felix uh, was at his breaking point with somebody with a dog that gets carried everywhere, but never gets taken care of, how would you fix the situation as a morally ambiguous rogue? Well, see Wilder has this cool little, um, perk is he runs the thieves guild now so the dog's just gonna come up missing um but if we were in water deep it would still come up missing just a little bit quicker <laughs> that's exactly what happened uh he found his dog by a water dish and it was no longer breathing uh <laughs> may have had to deal with some poison i'm not sure uh suffice it to say the guy who played that character was very angry with me for having set having made arrangement (laughs) putting a hit on his dog basically is what happened um i'm like and he he was like legit angry in real life i'm like look you need to understand what what happens in this game is just it's a game right you know we're all playing a game the dog never existed in the first place so let's not (laughs) let's 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 not let a fake dog ruin a a real friendship all right or horses (laughs) and i had to i looking at you Amanda. <laughs> um but i mean i mean people get so attached to their the, their characters and the things that their characters have and stuff like that they forget that it's not real yeah you know you can have a good time with it but at when the at the at the end of the day you need to put that character back in the toy box because that's all it is yep so all right 
next question comes from the ginormous list that squid sent us Holy Good cow. golly does she send us a lot of questions to answer on here she's fired <laughs> uh no um, here's a good one. And this one actually came up in conversation that we had in our playing games with strangers chat. Um, XP milestones. How do I handle character leveling? Um, I like milestone. I've never played XP, but I could see the benefits of it. I think it would be weird though, to have player characters with different levels because it would make combat and just some encounters a little harder to, finagle because well if you're a level three and you know nancy's a level seven because of experience points you might die and i can only do so much um i i tend to fall into that mindset as well i I, i've i've played both xp and milestone my preference is for milestone because then yes all your characters are playing at the same level uh, you don't have the competition in fights to get the kill, to get whatever XP, um, you know, you don't have kill stealing or anything like that. So it, it becomes it, it milestone, I think, pushes collaboration a little bit more. Um, XP is a little bit fun because then, you know, not everybody's opening their presence at the same time. But there is you, you got to keep track of that XP gain. And as a DM, I don't like it because, you know, I'm not keeping track of my players XP. So if I'm when I'm doling it out, so it, I have to go completely based off of their word mm-hmm. um, as far as, oh, I leveled up. And it's just like, did you? Right. Did you really? Yeah, I <laughs> and think, I'm not suggesting that. Yeah, I think that um, it could also feed back into our last question. Uh, I have I have players at my table uh I, I don't know that i'd say that they're competitive necessarily but i will say that our ranger gets really really upset at the number of kills that the barbarian will just snatch right at the end and if we played xp i think my ranger would quit <laughs> <laughs> um so ultimately i would say it comes down to your group you know uh, and and how they want to play if they want to if they want to have that compet competition in the game then go with that you know some people find their fun from that uh me as a as both a player and a dm i find that a- incredibly uh stressful <laughs> I, I i don't like it um I, i'm not i'm not a fan of it i now i know that the guy who taught me how to dm uh some of you may know his name is eric he owns sage's portal uh he's a fan of xp um and he made no bones about that in the chat the aforementioned (laughs) chat when we were talking about that earlier uh in this chat i was talking about a uh a a D &D actual play podcast i had started listening to called sneak attack um which i was enjoying until the end of the episode when on mic the dm's like oh yeah i forgot to mention you guys get such and such uh xp for Oh, and it pulled me out of the podcast so bad. And I, <laughs> I just couldn't bring myself to come back to it. And I'd made mention of that on our, on our playing games with strangers chat. Eric came in and he's like, yeah, why would anybody want a fair system based off of blah, 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 <laughs> in the typical Eric backhanded sarcasm way. And I'm just like, yeah, that would be me who doesn't want that your fair mm-hmm. system based off of action. So 
little harassment for you, Eric, even though I know you'll never actually listen to this episode. So, <laughs> uh, so actually that, uh, having that extra question there brought it, brought us right up to about an hour of recording time. So once we're post editing, we'll still be close. So I think this is as good a time as any to break, break it down. Uh, Dave, where can people find you on the interwebs? Oh, I've got a link tree. It's like Linktree slash Mr. Dave Clements, I think is what it is. That's where I'm at, but primarily playing games with strangers.com. Check, check the show notes for Dave's Linktree. Check the show notes for my Linktree. I would also recommend you to playing games with strangers. Also uh, go check out uh, the bottom shelf, which is a uh, bad movie podcast that I do. And Dave sometimes pops on there as well. Uh, and uh this this next set of episodes that are coming up on that we're talking about uh, a movie that does in fact have to do with video games which is resident evil the first one uh what was that i said arrow <laughs> that was a good uh, also, also going to be talking oh gotcha uh also going to be talking about cooties uh which is kid zombies so something for you to look <laughs> forward to on those episodes as well uh with that being said I'm John, that's Dave, and you've been listening to Casual Gamer Society. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.